it would be sort of like you know some uh, morbidly you know obese individual wearing like a crossfit t-shirt it's like it doesn't seem <laughs> like it fits <laughs> Welcome back to Reason Together, the podcast for Christians who think about stuff. I'm Thomas, here with Daniel, as usual. How have you been, and what have you been up to? Uh, I am uh, doing well, and um, yeah, it's just been a good first part of the year. Today, I'm uh, excited about uh, getting uh, back into a project that uh, try and try, sort of trying to finish up this month. That's my goal. I, well, I think I'll get close to it, but... Um, uh, we're we're getting a fiber optic here at the church, which um, is a yeah neat development. And so I'm trying to set up a network throughout the church, you know, wireless access points and things like that, so it's ready when they're when they get in. Boom, boom, we just hook <laughs> up and uh, get to go. So cool, some some rafter walking and uh, some <laughs> things like that. I'm looking forward <laughs> to it. It'll be a fun day. And so far, no legs sticking through the drywall and the ceilings. So far, no. <laughs> okay, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I uh I have uh had a busy week last week and uh sort of early into this week as well. Um my dad had to have uh, a knee replacement surgery. Yes. And um the doctor that was doing it, it, it was kind of a unique situation with with my dad's hip and all. So they had to cuz cuz you have to be able to position that hip for the surgery on the knee. And mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. his first doctor wouldn't really touch it. He didn't want to mess with it and didn't think he could. So this wow. other doctor thought he could. And um, that doctor was at NYU <clears throat> um, in New York City. So yeah. if, if wow. you don't know what NYU is. So <laughs> he had to have a surgery in Manhattan. And I'm in my mind picturing my parents traipsing about Manhattan by themselves. You know, and they're, they're older folks and, uh, you know, Getting around Manhattan is different than it used to be in in a certain sense because a lot of Ubers now um, okay. are, hmm. are buzzing around and it's really one of the more efficient ways to travel in a car uh, in New York City. And, and my parents, I figured I need to help them. So my brother and I kind of coordinated together to take shifts and sort of be in the city to help them get around and run errands for them, uh, you know, get them food and what have you, whatever they need while they're there. So uh, one of my sons and I went into the city and we spent a total of 26 hours in the city. So it was a fast day before my brother got there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we got, we got everything done, took care of my parents, ran some errands for them, got them around, you know, transported them and such. And after we dropped my dad off at the hospital, <clears throat> uh, my, my son and I, we rented city bikes. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah. If you're familiar with those, it's just basically there's stations all over the city. And New York's not the only city that has them. Yeah. And uh, you rent now, these bikes at these stations and you can drop them off at different stations. And, yes, and you just okay. pay a small fee to use them. And uh, so my son and I got these and we were riding bikes. We rode, I think, probably f- over four miles uh, from this, uh, let's see, from the lower East side, sort of up towards, up to central park <clears throat> and, uh, in the rain, <laughs> in the cold, oh my. <laughs> so, but it was one of those things where, you know, it's going to be sort of miserable, but you, you do it anyway, because it's like, okay, we're going to have a little adventure here, son. So we, yeah. we go and we, uh, we had a, a good time there riding bikes around Manhattan. So, yeah. Wow. That'd be a memory. 
So yeah. I think I've seen it seemed like I'm trying to think oh, maybe it was DC. Um, yeah, had the scoot had scooters uh, mm-hmm. that you could rent and but uh, yeah, bicycles yeah, good too. Similar idea. Yeah. So that's that's what I've been up to. Yeah. All right. Well, he didn't catch cold. So uh, and uh, nope. got around Manhattan. Okay. What kind of a drive is that yeah. for you to go to Manhattan? Um, it's like um a solid two hours to get okay. In midtown. Not too bad, really. Yeah. No. Okay. And uh, and once you're there, you can find a place to park and then use public transit or or bikes uh, to get around. Yeah. Um, another you two don't hours. You don't want to drive to park. <laughs> Well, there's there's parking garages, and you yeah. just sort of have to bite the bullet and pay for a garage, and um, unless unless you take a bus in or a train in, there I've I've been into the city before where I took the train in. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So there's there's a number of ways you can go about it. Okay. Well, um, let's see here. Uh, before we jump in any further, let's thank our patrons over at Patreon.com/slash Reason Together. Yes. And uh, looking at that list recently, and uh, we thank you for all of those. And did you did you know what? I don't have an exact uh, percentage here, but the significant majority of our patrons are elite patrons. Did you know that? Yes, I did know that. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I was like, wow, look at that. Uh, so thank you all who have signed on to uh, to you know, invest your funds to make this uh, all possible yeah. and uh, just had our taxes done last year and or for for last year. And, um, and uh, thankful as I looked at uh, our editors for the year, uh, we have a technical editor and uh, the, the podcast editor, the website, anyway, the blog editor and the uh, podcast editor. And uh, both of those got paid and uh, we were pretty close to even. So. <laughs> wow. Excellent. Yeah. 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 Um, since we're talking about patrons, um, I want to encourage you, if you are a patron already, don't forget about the community message board over there at patreon.com slash reason together. It has been uh, a bit active lately uh, with some feedback. Um, There was a question we dealt with last time about, and I can't remember if it was on a main episode or an after show. I'm pretty sure it was a main episode, but uh, the the use of the word legalism. Do do you remember dealing with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some yeah, good was feedback on there, even with some, I'm telling you, there's some historical sources given by one of our patrons here. Uh, some really Im- important quotes that I think kind of settled the question for us as to how the word uh, has been used in the past and, and hmm. maybe some guidance on how it should be used now. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was fantastic. So if you if you are a patron, head over to the message board at patreon.com slash reason together. And contribute your feedback as well. Read what's there. I think you'll find it a useful resource for information about the questions that we talk about on the podcast. You can continue the conversation that you hear here. Uh, and you can continue it with other yeah. folks of like mind uh, over there at patreon.com slash reason together. Um, and, and sort of secondary to that, <clears throat> I have been uh, busy um, lately, uh, feverishly working to... <laughs> print out an entire new run of our t-shirts the reason together podcast t-shirts yeah yeah uh, replenishing our inventory with that we were beginning to run low so uh <clears throat> if you have not yet purchased a t-shirt or maybe you'd be, like to be like one of our patrons who bought a second one just because um <laughs> you can head over to reasontogether.fm and uh, look under the support tab and there's different ways to support the podcast one of those ways is to buy a t-shirt 
and uh, they're 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 fresh, hot off the press. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, good deal. Um, so uh, we've got a list here, and what I love that when we have a full list, and I, in fact, I was talking to a couple people here in the last week or two, and one last night says, "Oh man, I've got a list. I've got a running list. Just, I haven't just stopped to write in yet, you know." And uh, so when he when he does, maybe we'll have a year's worth of. Uh, episode uh, wow. uh, material, you know, <laughs> I don't know, but one of our elite bring patrons, it on. So yeah. So job, anyway, job security. <laughs> That's right. I'm glad that, uh, that they're, they're listening and, and, uh, and thinking through it, wanting to interact. That's great. And we've already got several questions here. Um, I, I'm trying to pull up this one here. Um, maybe later in the show, I will uh, just ask your response on it. But I want to start off with this one here, and then you can pick. I think I might just even scroll through and like uh, do the do the poor uh, devotion thing, where you just sort of flip a page and, <laughs> and you put your finger down. Cool. Yeah, I might just like close like, your eyes. Yeah, I might just sort of like scroll through a list and go dink, and like just land on one and see what it is. But um, anyway, uh, I want to uh, ask this one by our elite patron Levi, and uh, he's asking. Uh, I basically summed it up as cursing versus exclamation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he says, as humans, we're defined by, he's got a nice summary here at the beginning. As humans, we're defined by words, hurt by words, live by words, judge with words, communicate with words. Words are an important part of our society. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, many words are used to exclaim when something exciting happens. The world has created a plethora of words we call curse words that are used when exclaiming. He said, I won't list those words. Um, thank you. Uh, however, I have taken into consideration that the Christian circle has its own words that we use. For example, the less strict, and he'll, he'll comment on that in a minute, less strict, Christians may use words that are replacement words for the real words, um, words that sound similar to the curse word. Um, they may use words that are uh, not at all, re- oh, he's saying, I think he's saying then the other side maybe uses, may use words that are not at all related to the words the world uses, but use phrases like, Oh my goodness, what in the world, man, bother. You know, if you're an old uh, Winnie the Pooh fan, <laughs> bother. <laughs> anyway, uh, I mentioned about less strict and more strict because, uh, or less, less strict and more strict Christians, but I do not mean to condemn either. I simply use those terms because different people have different standards and thus are more or less strict. My questions come from the explanation. God said when he wrote the Ten Commandments to not use his name in vain, realizing that so many circles of people related different terms, um, yet applying them for the same purpose, I believe I've concluded that verbally exclaiming whenever something exciting happens is instinct to human nature. Is it wrong to exclaim with words that are similar to the ones the world uses because it'd be using, uh, it'd be used for the same purpose? What about words that are different? My dad once said, bother while working, on his house, and his atheist friend exclaimed to him that he was using Christian curse words. <laughs> okay, this was meant as a joke, but implied that we have our own set of words that are used for a similar purpose. Should we set aside any exclamation to show our separation from the world? There's kind of your key question there, uh, one of them. Uh, should wow. we set aside any exclamation to show our separation from the world? Any thoughts on this topic? And uh, he says, as Tim Hawkins puts it, Christian curse words would be appreciated. So, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Wow. There's a lot there. Um, I don't know how you could set aside 
exclamation. <laughs> Especially when you hit your See, finger. You just, you, you no, listen, you just laughed. That is exclamation. Oh, of, I'm sorry. Of a certain kind. Yeah. I never will so, again. I mean, <laughs> yeah. How could you do that? I mean, are there some religious movements in the world that believe that, that, that you just can't exclaim anything that you have to be like stone cold, no emotion, stoic. Um, I don't think they say that exactly, but, but when they, when they figure, oh, if you say that, that's a Christian curse word, what, what's kind of the, uh, let's parse that out a little bit. What are they actually arguing against there? An angry exclamation, Um, an exclamation of disdain or, yeah, perhaps anger, basically. Okay, perhaps I don't know. Um, Yeah, I'm not really sure. I I guess part of me is still kind of hung up. There was something he mentioned about um, taking the Lord's name in vain, right there, and I think it might be important to park on that too while we have it. Yes, right, because uh, you know it. You know, so some might, you know, get this, you know, you, you, you keep using that word. I don't think it, it does not mean what you think it means. Right. Good princess bride, that quote there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, when, when the Bible says that thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, it's not talking about cussing there. It's not talking about when people use the Lord's name as an exclamation. Um, my understanding of that verse uh, for years, and I think Pastor Dietrich was the first one that kind of pointed it out to me mm-hmm. years ago, is that it's the idea of carrying the Lord's name as his representative, but not really representing him well, the way that he wants to be represented. You're, you're carrying his name emptily. It would be sort of like you know, some uh, morbidly, you know, obese individual wearing like a CrossFit t-shirt. It's like, it doesn't seem <laughs> like it fits. <laughs> you can, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It was the first you, illustration that came to my mind. Um, or it would, you, it would be sort of like, you know, an anti second amendment person, you know, walking around with like a black rifle coffee, you know, hat yeah. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. It doesn't fit. They're right. carrying it emptily or, or with vanity, um, emptiness or hollowness. And it would be like saying, I'm a Christian, but then living like the devil <clears throat> um, or, or, yeah. or, or even, and I don't even know that the divide needs to be that huge. It would just simply be in any moment representing Christ in a way that he does not wish to be represented. Um, that's taking the name of God in vain. Um, Pastor Dietrich, I think, described it sort of like uh, when people get married <clears throat> and uh, the wife uh, changes her name to her husband's last name. Mm-hmm. And she's now carrying his name. But mm-hmm. then to live in such a way that's re- inconsistent with the family. But refuses um, all of his authority and essentially lives uh, an autonomous life while carrying his name. Right. Yeah. And I would uh, largely agree there. So those people, maybe that's the foreign concept to you. You know, it's so often been said, uh, oh, you're taking the name's, Lord's name in vain. But think of that concept of taking it. Uh, okay. So I take the Lord's, literally his name. So, okay, I say I say Jehovah and I carry that name myself uh, as, uh, as, as you said, a representative of him as reflecting him. But I do it in vain in a way that's empty or useless or futile. Um, and so 
Yeah, I really think that goes well beyond the concept of simply a word that I use that uses God's name in an irreverent way, though it maybe it could include that. Um, it's it's broader uh, than that. So I think that's an important distinction to yeah. make. But to go back to the idea of um, expressions of anger, because isn't honestly that um, that's when you hear curse words, when someone is just mm. ticked off or uh, they're you know, mm. violently on, mad at you or something in there, or, or they're just frustrated. And so they, they <clears throat> say something and the word that comes out of their mouth, we say, yeah. Oh, that's a curse word. Yeah. I, I would say it, it kind of depends on who you're hanging around too. Um, I, I would say, um, so like, I know a number of people who, um, were in the military. So actually one kid I'm thinking of, he's currently in the military. And when he comes home, and, uh, and, and I spend a little time with him. I try to every now and then he's not safe. Um, it's sort of a culture with certain guys that they're not necessarily angry when they're cussing. It's really? every other word. Yeah. Every other word is. Yeah. yeah it does become sort of a power and, play, doesn't it? Or, or not a power play, but I mean, they just, I think they feel somehow empowered by using words like, do you feel like that? I sort of maybe get I, that no, jive that, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that that's it necessarily either. It just becomes a habit. It just becomes a way of talking uh, that is very natural to them. Hmm. And, um, you know, that's uh, that's not necessarily anger or power coming through. It's just a habit. And uh, it can be it can be rather offensive to some folks, I guess. I mean, I, I hate to say that I'm used to it. Um, I, that, I mean, I don't say it, but, you know... It, even when I talk to him, I'm not sitting there just, you know, crumpling beneath his vocabulary. Um, no, no, that's right. not the case. Sure. It's sure. just, uh, yeah, the context so, in which he uses it is not always anger. Okay, that's interesting. I, I would say the well, first thing, like just on a practical uh, level, I guess, just, I don't know, uh, just throwing it out here that that appeals uh, or that that strikes me is that the way I would talk about this with my kids is to say, you know, just one simple thing is that that kind of language is just crass and vulgar, okay? And by that, I mean you can exclaim something without having to choose a dirty, stupid uh, word like that. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. so, so, you know, if I, if I hit my thumb, that's the kind of what I'm thinking. So I, if, I, if I do something on accident and it hurts, man, I... I I slam my toe up against something. I'm going to be certainly uh, naturally uh, exclaiming something probably, right? A word's going to come out of my mouth. But do I have to choose a word that means excrement or that means some vile yeah. act? Well, no. no. Obviously, there's, you know, there's a bajillion words in, in the language. So why don't I just choose something that like means, ouch, like I'm in pain, you know? Right. But wouldn't wouldn't you agree, though, that... There must be some innate reason why it's more satisfying to the individual to exclaim a strong word like that in that moment, as opposed to saying, oh, stink, I hit my thumb. You know, I mean, yeah, isn't I there something natural? I personally think, uh, and maybe this doesn't explain all uses, but number one, it's learned. Uh, so you hear older men use this or you hear your friends use it and something says, that word is um, culturally edgy or offensive and demonstrating my rebellion in saying it um, is, is kind of empowering. Um, 
it's it's similar in some ways and uh, maybe it, this won't make sense but you know rock music is um is a uh, a vocal is a musical rebellion essentially and that's what it was when it first came out it was a, it was a sign of a cultural revolt if you will mm. um yeah and there is something empowering to saying I'm against the, you know, I am standing with the the revolution, right? You know, I'm standing with the revolt. Um, well, in cussing and cursing, if you, especially if you know, uh, in that that it just kind of, you know, it's like it's like maybe getting the tattoo. It's like pulling out the cigarette and saying, "I'm I'm with the men here," even though this is, you know, it's. I, I don't, that's, I don't that's think it's always that it. though. May not always be, but do you feel like no. that that's a a part of it? Maybe sometimes. Um, I think though that, you know, and, and, and I'm not arguing in favor of using crass language and, and profanity. I I certainly don't talk that way myself and wouldn't encourage others to, but I think there's more to it than just that, than that Mm. people are demonstrating rebellion. Uh, and to give you an illustration without, without saying the word. So, so many of, you know, I work in healthcare, uh, um, outside of the ministry and, um, <clears throat> healthcare is uh, a a major stronghold of third wave feminism. Um, mm. we, yeah, it's 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 uh, it's it's obviously a very female populated. Um, yes, that's what I was going to um, say. Dominated vocation. Uh, profession. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And when when I say this, if there are ladies listening, uh, mind you, I'm not talking about all women. I'm talking about <laughs> an unsaved women. Okay, Uh, Mm. because I would hope and pray that Christian women working in healthcare behave differently than what is normally present in the healthcare environment. Um, And when you see women in healthcare, uh, and I'm thinking, uh, I don't mean to pick particularly on nurses, but they're the largest populace, um, and it seems to be kind of a stronghold with them. There's this sort of uh, catty attitude that is is very brash and brazen and you know don't tell me what to do and i'm the hero around here and i can do everything you know just just because i'm a nurse i can i can do anything i know your job inside and out even though i've never learned a thing about it um you know there's this sort of attitude and there is a cuss word that is thrown around within the healthcare environment that describes a woman like that Mm -hmm. and when that word is used, you know exactly what is being described. Mm-hmm. And I've tried to describe it here on this podcast without using the word. Mm-hmm. And it's maybe a little difficult to envision exactly what I'm talking about. But when people use that cuss word, you know exactly. So in other words, there's a descriptive nature sometimes in our culture mm-hmm. with certain cuss words. Where when that word is used, it's it's like the most descriptive word for the thing. You know exactly what's being talked about. And obviously that's cultural. You know, I'm not I'm not sitting here trying to support the use of the words. I'm just trying to say rebellion may not always be the reason why certain cuss words are used. It may be that in our mm-hmm. nomenclature, in our cultural vernacular, verna- 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 I can't vernacular, talk. vernacular, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that certain cuss words have become the most descriptive word for a particular thing. Okay. Well, but can can we still make the argument that um that it betrays um, a lack of culture and a lack of principle to say, I'm not going to talk that way, that anybody of polite speech and uh, self-control and who, you know, just in a professional environment 
Um, I'm yeah. going to choose more appropriate words. So at, at the very least, it betrays almost an uneducatedness or a, um, uh, I don't know if it's uneducated, but you know, like- Maybe for I, some I, folks. I choose not to use polite terms. I'm going to use, I, meaning I, I'm not demonstrating, um, what, what did I say a minute ago? I'm not demonstrating rebellion. I just, that's the word and I don't care if I use it. And if other people yeah. use it, whatever, even if it's sort of vulgar and filthy, it's whatever, that's, well, that's I, the best description. description. Well, I, I do think it's an unfair characterization to say that in every case, someone who talks like that just has a limited vocabulary. Um, uh, well, they because choose I say, not you know, to use any better vocabulary. In certain settings. So, for instance, I have um, my, my, my firearms instructors, right? Mm -hmm. uh, former military guys. They cuss like sailors, right? Mm -hmm. When they're right. with me, <laughs> because I'm an adult, right? And they, they mm -hmm. know what I do for a living. They know that, but they, they talk that way anyway. But when my sons take a class with me or when they're there with me, it's a totally different thing. They don't use that kind of language because even though they, uh, they, they have a good vocabulary, they can speak with intelligence, they are recognizing even in their own vocabulary that there's a certain professional setting in which I should not use that. And in their mind, it's, well, there's a kid here. Right? Yeah, right. it may um, not make sense to us, but in their mind, there is a line somewhere. Right. I have known people that work in management in a corporate setting who extremely intelligent, educated people, they cuss like sailors. <clears throat> but when they're in work mode, when they're talking with coworkers, <clears throat> they speak on a professional basis and uh, they're able to turn that on, and turn it off. So I don't know that in every case it's all oh, this person just, you know, look at they have such a limited vocabulary. They have to cuss all the time. That's not the case. Uh, I, I just think there's something innate about profanity. I don't think it's always rebellion. I think sometimes it's just that certain words culturally become the most descriptive of a thing. Um, <clears throat> so I, I'm just saying there's more to it than just, oh, cussing is rebellion. There's more to it than that. Well, yeah. Yeah. That, and I'm not saying point. that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do have to say that to, to those who, uh, you know, are uh, vulgar like that, at, at a certain point, it does it does sound dumb. It really, I know you may not have a limited vocabulary, but when every fifth word is a curse word, we know that that's totally extraneous. You know what I mean? And at a certain point mm -hmm. it loses, it, it doesn't make sense. You know, it wasn't yeah. um, an operative part of the sentence, <laughs> you know, kind of yeah. like, why do you keep saying that? Like if I just said donut every fifth word, you know, like, yeah, man, I donut got out of the car and like, man, my donut tire was flat and I was like, donut. And I, you know, and be like, what, what are you doing? You know? Um, so in some ways that's what I, if, if you're teaching your kids about language, you know, you can teach them about why that's uh, inappropriate, why it would be considered in the vulgar category and how it yeah. even makes you sound stupid and unprofessional. And, and it, but obviously there's, there's principles of, of Christian yeah. speech that go into that. Is it grace? Is right. it seasoned with salt? Is it edifying? Is it every, anything that should ever characterize a child of the King? Um, I think too that you know, if, if if cussing you know sounds dumb just because that uh, just because people are saying it every few words and they're saying it mindlessly it just becomes yep. part of the vocabulary I think it would be unfair to suggest that Christians never do that oh well they do you that know, in I, prayer sometimes. yeah they do it in prayer but in conversation yeah. too it's like how many how many times in a conversation you know will you hear someone say oh well praise the Lord well praise the Lord I mean. 
to be fair, I think sometimes they do mean it, but I think a lot of other times folks are just saying it mindlessly because that's the thing we're supposed to say as Christians. Mm. Um, you know, is that not the same thing, really? Just mindlessly throwing little cliches and phrases repeatedly in our conversation? Um, I'd say maybe it's similar, but, uh, yeah. but maybe in I mean, the it's mindless. it's not cussing. Uh, right. I'm in the mindless aspect, but not necessarily in the... In other ways, let me go back to um, whether Christians, uh, is it right to call Christian phrases Christian curse words? Um, the, it, it sanitized <laughs> epithets. Do, do you remember we did an episode on this? I, um, I vaguely remember. That was a long time ago. Yeah, I'm thinking it was episode 90, but I, I can't be for sure. Um, I sent it to Levi, the, uh, the patron who asked this question. Okay. Um, but you can go on our website and search in search bar for, I think, cursing or profanity or something like that. And, and it'll bring up this episode on sanitized epithets or Christian curse words. I did, um, so go ahead and uh, go yeah. ahead and elaborate on what your thought was. I, well, I just have to, I have to laugh in some ways. I mean, I know I appreciate that the atheist was saying it, I guess, in jest, you know, but his, his assumption is incorrect that it's a it's a curse word. It is simply an exclamation. That's the point I want to make is there's a difference between a curse word and an exclamation. Everybody's allowed an exclamation. That's part of uh, human existence. It's mm -hmm. when we intentionally make it um, uh, dirty and nasty and defamatory and things like that, that it be, we would say more it becomes a curse word. <laughs> but to say, man, like, ah, curse word. Uh, it's the word man. You know what I mean? Or what mm -hmm. in the world? Oh, you know, Christian curse mm -hmm. word. Like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> like, how is that cursing anything? But anyway, yeah, that's, that's funny. So, okay, I think we've uh, hit that pretty good. Yeah, uh, unless you have something else you want to finish it up with. There's more that could be said on that, as far yeah. as you know, <laughs> things like uh, gosh or golly or things like right. that. You know, there's right. more that could be said, but you know, I mean, why? Um, it, we, we dealt with I that in say, episode ninety. I would say this as one last comment statement. You know, you said I don't melt under their language, and I think that's important. That while you might hold, obviously, you're going to draw your line somewhere. What words do I say? What don't I say? Why do I say them? Why don't I say them? Here's the Christian principles that underlie that. When somebody says something, maybe it's just awful, or maybe it's like they say, "Oh my gosh," you know, don't be like, "Oh, oh, oh my goodness," mm -hmm. they said they said "gosh" because you shouldn't do that because it's yeah. a replacement word. Look. That's their line. If you're a friend and if you're a friend and you're truly grieved by that and you want to have a personal conversation with them, I guess go for it. But but don't melt down over their replacement word. Right. You know there, what I mean? there are uh, bigger fish to fry, if I could say it that way. Yeah. I mean, it um, just and, and that really goes for a lot of areas. You hold a line. Other people don't hold that line. Uh, you got to learn to know how to navigate with that, you know, and mm -hmm. and not be like, oh my goodness, did you? Oh, there's my curse word, right? Um, did you? Uh, mm -hmm. Did you? Uh, did you hear what they said or see what they did or uh, or know what they watch or, or things like that? You have to understand. You at least you say, okay, well, that's where that person's at. All right, but uh, don't melt down. Over yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's our next question here? I don't know. You've got a lot of good ones on here that say don't peek, and um, <laughs> yeah. <I was> <laughs> I'm bothered by this. <laughs> no bother. <laughs> so, okay. I would um, like to know what some of these are. Yeah. All right. This one, uh, this one would be a good one. It may take us the rest of the time. But I, you know, over the years, when you get into um, something, 
you know, important, seemingly important, uh, yeah, change you want to make in your life. Um, and you're trying to maybe change your direction or install a new habit or whatever. I've, I've seen it a number of times encouraged that you get an accountability partner, an accountability partner. Well, I get the idea of accountability. Uh, that mm-hmm. is scriptural. One day we're all going to give account, uh, meaning we're all subject um, to the sovereign God who made us and his purpose for us. And one day we're going to give account of the abilities and the opportunities that he gave to us and, uh, and what we did with them and why. Okay, I get that. But um, when we talk about a human accountability partner, I oftentimes, I, I, I've just kind of dead-ended on that a little bit, uh, short-circuited and said, what? I didn't quite, I don't quite get it. And, and so maybe, and maybe this is a personality thing a little bit, but I guess my question mm-hmm. was at least starting off, what is the basis uh, of accountability? What is it about accountability that is effective? Um, why does it seem useful? Um, because I, to me, if I said, Tom, you know, I'm wanting to do this, will you be my accountability partner? So I know mm-hmm. the next week you're going to say, Hey, Daniel, how are you doing on this? Okay, well, um, I, I know you're going to ask me, so maybe that gives me some impetus. Uh, okay, I, I need to, I need to stay faithful with this because because Tom's going to ask me. Well, what is the basis of that? Shame. Is it, yeah. Okay. So it's essentially I would be ashamed if you asked, and uh, and I didn't live up to the standard I told you I wanted to live up to. So that okay, mm-hmm. that's a good way to put it. Yep. I was thinking fear, and I was just like that doesn't seem exactly right that. I would fear because if I said, look, if I tell Tom, you know, I say, Tom, I want to read my Bible uh, at least five days a week, right? I want to read my Bible five days a week. And I know that you're going to come back next week and ask me. But I also know that maybe this wouldn't be true of you. Um, You know, you're Italian, you're strong, and you're going to say, hey, get it together, bud. (laughs) You know, but a lot of people, I don't know, you, you know, you say, oh, no, man, I had a rough week. I only got it two times. Okay, well, try better next week. Well, if if you always know that you basically have the out, there is yeah. no consequence. You don't have the authority no. to say, "Well, that's it. You you didn't live up to that expectation, therefore I will punish right. you." Well, then there's no there's no teeth to the accountability. So, right. Is it even effective? What give me your take on this? Well, I I do think that if you counsel people any length of time, you will learn some people absolutely do need an accountability partner with some things. Okay. Um, because there are some personalities, there are some Christians who are, are maybe immature in a certain way where they're just not going to see any progress overcoming an addiction or a habit or a bad practice um, without some sort of accountability partner. Because mm-hmm. they lack the maturity to understand that the Lord is the ultimate accountability partner and he's there with you even when I am not. Mm. Um, yeah, for a mature okay. So Christian, you're sort of a vib- visible representation of what the Lord's accountability would be. Correct. Correct. And see, when you talk about what the fear of the Lord is, according to the Bible, um, which is mentioned repeatedly through the mm-hmm. Proverbs, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, what it essentially comes down to is like a constant awareness of God's presence. So that you are always 
you're always aware that God sees what you're doing, that he's walking with you. He observes your thoughts. Um, it is the, it seems like the ultimate in Christian maturity to have a constant awareness of God's presence and mindfulness over your life. But for immature believers, or I should say less mature believers, oftentimes they struggle with that. And, and, and they, they continue to sin in certain ways, knowing that the Lord is, is watching them. They don't, they don't seem to forget that. It's just in those moments, they seem to disbelieve it, hmm. you know? <clears throat> and, and you're talking so, about accountability primarily for adding a good habit, like Bible reading and such. Um, yeah, I but see. I'm, I'm yeah. saying that the vast majority of counseling you will do um, when it comes to accountability partners will be helping people undo an already existing bad habit. Um, but I mean, what, where are the, t what, what's the teeth of your accountability? So they come back and they say, yeah, I failed a couple times this week. You can encourage them. You can exhort them. You can admonish them, but you really can't discipline them. So, I mean, what, well, I, what are the sort teeth of, to that? Okay. Um, I know from, for me in the times that I have counseled people in this way, uh, my counsel essentially became the, the collateral, if I could say it that way. Um, in other words, uh, my counsel, my help, they come to, they, they came to me for a problem. They wanted help with this problem. If they do not abide by the accountability agreement, they lose my help. Okay. And you might say, well, that's, that sounds cruel and unpastoral. Well, it's like, what else do I have to keep them well, accountable? Yeah. And also, no, I, I get it. I get it. Uh, it almost sounds maybe a little counterintuitive that if you don't follow my help, I won't help you anymore because that's what they need is help. But yeah. they need, so in other words, it's a, uh, it's a fear of losing the help. Um, yeah. Okay. Because you, you're presuming that the person came to seek help. You know, you're not imposing your help on them. They came to seek help. They want the help. Um, but if they're not willing to abide by the accountability agreement, they don't get the help anymore. And so, it hurts to do that. And I have had to yeah. pull back on that before uh, in counseling where I've had to say, okay, listen, you know, I've, I've given you grace a couple of times here. You've, you've broken our accountability agreement a couple of times. Uh, I've tried to be as merciful as I can here and gracious as I can. But if there's no teeth to this, what's to keep you accountable? So I'm withdrawing my help for you in this matter until you can get things back on track on your own and we can sit down and talk together then. So, yeah. That, I, I can, you know, it's interesting. I, as you say, that's, that's a great point. Um, and I can see when the apostle Paul says, you know, whom I have turned over unto Satan that he may learn not to blaspheme. You know what I mean? There's a certain point that even as an apostle, he said, I've turned him over. Um, yeah. That, that seems to be a similar thing that whatever I had invested in his life and however much I had poured into him, I've, finally just given up and turned him over that he could see mm -hmm. the destruction of his own way on his life. Um, so, okay, there I can see it. So if I go to a friend and I say, hey, I want your help um, with something, not necessarily as a pastor, but as an accountability partner, you're my friend um, and I want you to keep me accountable, <clears throat> then am I basically saying, if I don't do what I'm telling you I want to do, then I'm to some degree sacrificing our friendship. I'm willing for you to pull away from me as a friend because I refuse to do this thing that I'm asking you to keep me accountable for. I think it's in that situation, it's going to depend on 
what it is that you're seeking accountability for. Mm-hmm. I mean, those those stakes seem pretty high for, you know, yeah. Bible yeah. reading. You know, it's like, oh, I'd like to read my Bible at least five days a week. And if I don't, then uh, I want you to separate from me and consider me anathema. Um, I mean, that just seems a little <laughs> bit strong sure. right. to but- me. Um, but otherwise, so it's gonna so what's vary. the point? Yeah, I guess. I guess some, and maybe. Do you think this varies by person? That some people respond more <clears throat> to encouragement. They they need somebody at a certain point to call and say, "Man, I'm having a really tough time. Please uh, encourage me here. Help me because I I I'm feeling weak." And you say, "Come on, you can you can do this. This is important." Uh, you know, yeah. you, it may seem small now, but it's going to reap big dividends. They go, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Maybe there's well, some people sure. more than others that need that. Yeah. And that's what I said at the beginning was that you counsel anyone long enough, you're going to find that some people, certain people mm-hmm. need an accountability mm-hmm. partner. That to me is different than just needing a friend for encouragement. Okay. okay. Accountability to me involves th- that there are stakes. Mm-hmm. There, there are stakes here and, and you could lose something. That's, that's accountability in my mind. I mean, maybe I'm defining it wrong, but to me, there's stakes involved with accountability. With encouragement, there's there's no stakes involved. Hmm. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I'm think. Um, okay. Um, so, well, that's helpful. But I, yes, if you listeners, if you have any thoughts on that, you know, is the basis of accountability in your mind, uh, uh, you know, a desire to please men? Is that biblical? Is it is it fear? Is that is that a problem? Or is there another angle? I appreciate your thoughts on it, Tom, um, to know. I just, uh, are, are there some people basically that um, don't need an accountability partner because mm-hmm. that's not that's not how they really process it. They, they need to grow a different way, but being an accountability partner maybe isn't one of them. <laughs> um, I don't yeah. know. Or, or, yeah. or are we all as brothers and sisters in Christ accountability partners? You know, that to we're supposed extent, to, yes. yeah, we're supposed to provoke to, to love and good works. You know, that's our job. Right. Well, um, if you think about it, I, you know, I don't think seeking an accountability partner <laughs> is not, is not seeking to please men. I don't think that's what that is. Okay. Because if it was, then everyone in church is a man pleaser because we all behave differently because we know we're going to see each other on Sunday and Wednesday. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the that's the uh, ugly truth. No one likes to admit, but we all are men pleasers to an extent. Um, and and it's not the bad kind of man pleasing; it's the accountability kind of man pleasing. There is a way in which we keep each other accountable to certain things as Christians. Not even without saying a word, we just know by each other's presence, by the social contract, so to speak, that we have with each other when we see each other in church. We know that there's a certain expectation. And if we don't meet all of those expectations, uh, there is a bit of a social liability, a social loss that occurs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we all know this. And, and there, that's not wrong uh, necessarily, but it, it's one of those things that can be taken to a wrong extent mm-hmm. when someone mm-hmm. all of a sudden is just living to please everyone at church and not the Lord. Yeah, right. Then it seems like it could turn into... Um hypocrisy uh or just um yeah putting yeah. on the mask pretty fast um yeah but i mean to say that to say that we don't ever be good christians to please one another would be a false statement we do that all the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well i can't disagree with that yeah <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> yeah so okay 
well, hey, that's great. Uh, again, give us your give us your thoughts on uh, uh, Christian curse words, um, if there is such a thing, and uh, accountability partners. Uh, give us your thoughts. Reason Together Podcast at gmail.com. Our time is up, and we need to uh, transition into the after show. Oh, stink. But again, uh, thank you for being... <laughs> Tom, you're to be rebuked. <laughs> no. All right, let's just finish it off here. Hey, thanks for thanks for joining us. Thank you for being with us on this episode. We are encouraging balance, developing perspective, and connecting faith to practice. This is Reason Together. Music